Uh, so what are you gonna do for the rest of the day, James? Shit, I forgot what I was supposed to. I, <laughs> I forgot what I was supposed to ask. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Aaron, why does it sound like you're echoing over there? Because I am in heaven. Maybe what? a little bit. It's better than being. You're I in am Texas. Not in, How? I am. Well, th- there are little place, pieces of heaven in Texas. Trust me. But All right. Currently, I am in heaven because I am not living where I live. I am house-sitting, which is super awesome because I don't have to record in a closet where there's no air and I get high because I can't breathe. (laughs) So, So you've traded the air quality for... Sound quality. Just bad sound That's quality. correct. Right. That's so. correct. I'm going to sound like I'm in heaven, okay. and you're going to sound like you're on regular old planet Earth. I am. Or in hell. I okay. mean, you're in your basement. Sure. And The basement you know, of hell. The basement is base. I mean, it's also underground. Hell's un- underground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The basement of the United States, New Orleans. True. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, where we, that's where we hide all our scary shit. Yeah, that I that guess. is true. Have you ever been? <laughs> have you ever been to New Orleans? I have never been to New Orleans, but I have people who I distrust telling me I need to go all the time. Well, and people I well. trust telling me I don't need to go. Well, you should yes. go. What? <laughs> Fuck you! I'm not going. <laughs> it's an experience, especially at night. Yes, it yes, comes alive. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, James, I've got a I've got a real big problem here, buddy. Mm. Oh. Okay. Uh, I can't... Which one? Um, I have a problem with time. Yeah, most people do. You live about 80 years and then you die. Yeah, that's a big problem. So I guess I have three problems with time. Okay. Number one is, I'm gonna die. That's pretty bad. That is, Um, well, depends. The other thing is I might have become unstuck in time, but I'm not really sure. Okay. Uh, and then the last one is that I don't have time to make three-hour episodes every week anymore. Oh, shit. All right, well, yeah. well. So, I mean, I've got a whole bunch of reasons for that, but I know you're getting busy too, right? Yes? Kind of. No? I mean, I still sit on my fat ass most of the day. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, it sounds like a cherubim is laughing every time you laugh. <laughs> if I went over here and just spoke into the... There you go. It would just be Echo. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Ah, yes. My son. I come to you from on high to tell you that you may no longer... I can't focus. When you're doing this shit. <laughs> okay, My okay. son, I come to you from on high to tell you that you are no longer able to make three-hour-long episodes every week. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, so basically what we're going to do is this. Mm. Um, we're going to record an hour to 90 minutes worth of material. Okay. And wherever we land in our research, that's where we're going to stop for the week. So we're going to mm. be dividing things up into parts. Oh, shit. Which is actually a pretty often request, oft-requested thing. Is it? Um, yeah. People are like, you wrote a four-hour episode or a three-hour episode or even two and a half hours. Like, two and a half hours is too long for a podcast. I'm like, well, yeah. most podcasts are like two and a half hours fucking long. Well, which, whatever. Yeah. It is, the point it is, is really right long. now, I, yeah, it is long. And the point is we're not exactly, like, uh, making tons of money off. This isn't our job, our main job. Um, 
obviously our main job is working down at the factory and you know pulling <laughs> children out of the gears. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> That's an You're the one pulling joke. them out. All my hard work for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that went too fucking far. <laughs> Yeah, okay, so, but that's what we're gonna have to do, at least for a little while. If we start making tons of money off this shit, I mean, who knows, we may get to go back to the old format. (laughs) But right now, um, we're gonna try the shorter episode thing. And I I will say, uh, I I think it will be better, Uh, this is, and this is gonna be a real, a real reason here, Uh, those four-hour episodes, both of us... We, we kind of zone out at times just because it's four solid hours of recording. And <laughs> yeah. if we're zoning out, I'm sure the audience is zoning out even more. So an hour, an hour and a half is much more reasonable just to, just to be like 100% engaged for, for us, for them, for all of us. The whole, yeah. the whole potatoes. The, all the potatoes. All the potatoes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are the potatoes right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's not so much that uh, <clears throat> everybody... Well, it's not so much that we're zoning out. Like, that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. It's just that nobody gives wants, a shit. <laughs> well, nobody gives a shit, number one. number That's the number one thing. <laughs> ah, number one of many <laughs> <Yeah>. lists. <laughs> yes, number one, nobody gives a shit, which is why it's number one and not number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is... Uh, we can't really focus on that much material. That is also true. Yeah. Like four hours of material is like, or three hours of material, or even two and a half hours of material is a lot to blow through, which. I mean, I'm used to a lot of blowing, but that is too much. (laughs) This is a family show, James. (laughs) I know, they get discounts. Speaking of blowing, it looks like we've almost wasted an entire 10 minutes talking about keeping things under an hour. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you say we just start the show? Let's jump in! Boing! (laughs) And also uh, of the people of Jared, who came from the tower, (laughs) of which hath been spoken. The people of Jared? Jared is just that fat guy on the couch who never leaves because he's playing Xbox all day. I want to join his tribe. Can I be a person of Jared? Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, Heaven Edition, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. Time for some learning. Yep. Are we going to learn this episode, James? Learn it good, learn it well. Otherwise, you'll be in hell. I don't know. Yep, just, exactly, because we're talking go, about just Mormons. Just... <laughs> <laughs> we hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurs best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, James, who do we have this week? We have Joseph Smith... And some other guy we don't know how to pronounce. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Cambyses. Cambyses? Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Cambyses. I've looked up several pronunciations, pronunciations, whatever you fucking call it. And, uh, yeah, some people say Cambyses, someone, some guys say Cambyses, some say Cambyses. Well, I mean, you don't say Ulysses, you say Ulysses, so it might be Cambyses. 
Cambyses. Cambyses. Cambyses. Cambyses. Cambyses. Ulysses. Cambyses. I don't know. I just. Cambyses. Cambyses. Well, Cambyses the second. Yes. Shall we head to the history lab? Let's go. Boy, oh boy, I can't wait to get on this elevator. Me neither. I love elevators. They move you up, they move you down, they'll go around with never a frown. Yep, that's exactly right. And by the way, are we still in space? I don't even remember. Yes, we are. This is the space elevator, you dumb oh, oh. shit. All right, but where does the elevator actually lead? Space. What was <laughs> <laughs> so we're that's why they call it the space, space Uh, you know what? I don't think we should take the elevator today. Yo, you want to walk? Uh, trampoline? What else do we got? <laughs> What's our we arsenal have... of vertical of... transportation? <laughs> well, maybe we don't even go to the history lab today. Oh, shit. Maybe we go to history lab two! <gasps> yeah, what do you think? I had it put in. Wow! Well, show me around! I mean, check it out. Over here we got the bookshelf. Oh, <laughs> that is technology, ladies and gentlemen. This sketch is not going to land. We sound like we're in completely different buildings. Uh, we do, yeah. You're still... A... <laughs> All right, well... Okay, but we should still go to History Lab, too. Okay. It's right this way. Yes. yes. Uh, right here, this is our, uh, our, our rocket pod. It's not an elevator, and it doesn't go down. It goes up. You are trying so hard right now not to echo. <laughs> I can hear in your voice. I'm not trying not to echo. I'm just... I'm talking. <laughs> it sounds terrible. It does. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, I could like. No, you're fine. Wait, how how yeah. did that sound? That no, it's still echoey. <laughs> I don't know. We could try to fix this. I mean, it's, the problem it's is it's fine. I mean, it just sounds like the Vatican is speaking down to me. Well, yet again. Well, that's fine. Huh. As long as it's clear. Yeah, it is clear. Just like the Vatican. Okay. Clearly wrong. That's not going to get us in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's take our space pod up to History Lab 2, shall we? Excellent. Mm-hmm. Off we go. Off we go! Ignition sequence start. Six. One man, one church, a world of adventure. Joseph Smith, and also probably Cambyses, but we may never get to him because the Church of Jesus Christ and call me when you're ready. What? What? (laughs) The Church of Jesus Christ? Is it and Latter-day Saints? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Of and. Stupid little prepositions always get in the way. Fuck it. Just like orphans. What the fuck? <laughs> when you throw them into the machines in the Industrial Revolution, <laughs> right, James? Right. We're off to a great start. So, James! Yes. <laughs> Tell me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah? What's your favorite color? Oh. Red. <laughs> <laughs> Why red? Because it's easy to hide a... Uh... Never, never mind. Uh, what? 
easy to. Well, when you have your uh, your floors and your walls painted red, it's just it's easy cleanup because you just yeah. It's just the body then. I mean, everything else just kind of lends right in, you know? It's just, <laughs> just extra paint. You just wait for it to dry, and it's all good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That's good. What about you? What's your favorite color? Red as well. Oh, red? Yes. Tommy fuck? <laughs> yeah, but really, red. Okay. Red's a great choice. Red, yeah, red. Better red than dead. That's what I always say. And uh, better dead than undead. Mm, true. Yes. Yeah. Are we fucking this up? <laughs> we are. Yeah, we are. Fifteen minutes in, and all right, still. Well, we gotta go. We gotta get working. All right. Okay. So, computer, please bring up Joseph Smith and Cambyses the second. Okay. So, what is this? Is a temporary measure. What? This is a temporary measure. Oh. Oh. Okay. How do we? Make Me sounding it? like God. It's a temporary measure. I'll be back in my closet in a week. Oh, okay. Well, hmm. yeah. So, that's that. Yeah. Eh, makes sense. Somehow. Yes. It's math. Uh -huh. It's math. It's mm -hmm. simple math. It's basic so, math. It is. It is. And yes. that's what yes. most of the universe... That's what we're all about here, is simple math. You do your addition, you do your numbers, and suddenly... What are you doing? I don't know, You're just man. banging on the table. I, I picked <laughs> up my coffee cup and I set it down. It's math. You add a coffee oh. cup, subtract a coffee cup. And, uh, I gotta tell you, though, mm. I've had the worst day. You know why? Oh, why? No coffee. What? I had to have tea. You had what? Because there's, there's no coffee left in the house. I drank it all. Oh, <laughs> How long have you been there? Like, one day? <laughs> About a week, actually. Oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense. And there wasn't much here to begin with, but, mm. you know, I'll have to go out and get more. Mm-hmm. Dunkin' D's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, speaking of Dunkin' the D, what is yes. Joseph Smith best known for? <laughs> Apt. <laughs> oh no. And we're not even going to get that far Gosh, today, I guarantee Jason. it. <clears throat> Joseph Smith, my dude, is best known for being the man who made Mormonism and gave Bryce a career. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Good, yeah, we love Bryce. Yes, we're referring to Bryce Blankenagle of Naked Mormonism, who we have spoken to, actually, about this exact episode. Yeah, the uh, the yeah. Naked Mormonism podcast, actually. Yes. yes. He's not the Naked Mormon. Uh, that, well, part-time. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> yes. Half-naked. Uh, I don't know if he records with pants or not, but um, I, from what I understand, it's just good podcasting etiquette to not record with pants. Of course, so. yeah. You gotta yeah. have some breeze down there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. how else are you going to get your vocal cords strummed? Yeah, because they're in your thighs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so yeah. <laughs> what does Joseph Smith look like? What is his physical description? Well, if you just looked at the paintings of Joseph Smith, you'd likely conclude he looks like present-day John Travolta, had a child with a house elf, and got his head stuck in a fucking vice. Oh, shit. I mean... I'm not even, like, being funny about this. He uh -huh. just looks hilarious in every image I've found. <laughs> like, just Google Joseph Smith <laughs> portrait and tell me it's not funny. <laughs> Look at it. You can't Joseph not laugh. Smith portrait. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, wow, those are excellent. Yeah, oh, aren't they great? Oh, wow, audience, do this right now. That is... Yeah, and and here's a here's another little riddle. I can't figure out what the hell his hair color is, because sometimes he's blonde, yeah. sometimes brunette, and sometimes ginger. Yeah, no, it's true. It depends on the day, I guess. 
<laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. So, the point is, the guy is an icon who has been interpreted several times. Uh, and every time I found a photograph of him, mm -hmm. there's, because apparently there are photographs of Joseph Smith, it looks like there's a controversy over whether or not the photo is real. Oh, so, shit. There. Mm. Yeah. Um, and uh, just because we won't get to Cambyses the second, yeah. uh, James, what is Cambyses the second best known for? Cambyses the second is best known for being the son of Cyrus the Great and the second emperor of the Achaemenid Persian Empire. I'm proud of you for pronouncing that properly. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I looked up several ways to pronounce it. And Isn't I know that sounds super boring. Just another king who lived 2,500 <laughs> years ago or whatever. I Okay, this story, when we get to it in like seven weeks or whenever the fuck you're done with <laughs> Joseph Smith, it's going to be great. So just, just hang in there because I went in thinking there was only one cool story about this guy. I was wrong. <laughs> there oh. was so much bullshit about him literal bullshit i i mean that in oh. a literal sense yeah. yeah oh i didn't expect that no uh, no yeah okay so uh what did he look like do we have any idea uh we've got a few uh, seal impressions of him and that's okay. not just barking like a seal a seal impression is a technical term um, it's just a seal doing an impression. Yeah, of a Persian man. So it's... <laughs> what would that be like? Um, it would be like... Can you roll the R's? Yeah, would that be it, it'd be oddly tyrannical but tolerant at the same time. Yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> anyway, on to Cambyce... Cambyce... Cam Cam Cameron. Cameron. <laughs> On to Cameron. On to Cameron. <laughs> he looks like... Oh, shit, my dog's barking. Oh, well. Uh, he That's looks okay. like an angry, stony man with classic Persian hair. The dog is still barking. Why is the dog... Just go take care of the animal, okay? Uh, Alright. Well... Yeah. So my dog went into the trash can, pulled out a bunch of used tissues and Kleenex or whatever you call them, depending on where you live, ripped them up, and now they're <clears> little <throat> ripped up snot blankets all over my house. What? Which I'm going to have to clean up after this. Oh. Oh, that's too bad. Thanks to canines. That's fine. I love Gotta her. love them. She's a perfect dog. Besides she is the snot. Dog. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so I think we should just get started, don't yeah, we? Yeah, 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 yeah. Getting to Joseph Smith's early life. Mm hmm I hope you're ready to do some listening and some serious analysis. Oh, I'm ready to... Never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. That is... That is below me. Well... <laughs> let the show go on. Tell me about Joseph Smith's early life. Well, let me tell you about Joseph Smith's early life. Here's mm -hmm. the first thing, okay? Mm -hmm. I wrote a note to myself... Before I started researching him. Oh, no. All right. And here is the note. 
<clears throat> Don't do this, you asshole. There's way too much work involved with breaking down Joseph Smith's whole goddamn life. This episode is going to leave things out and miss some crazy shit, and you're going to get comments from people pointing out the crazy shit you missed. Don't even try it. Seriously, don't. It's too much work. And to that old Aaron, I say, fuck you. The research has already been done. It may have killed me, but I'm back, baby. And all this new Aaron has to do is talk about what the old Aaron died researching. Oh. Uh, yay me, whiskey for everyone. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Thank so, you. Um, Let's just uh, let's just get started, shall we? Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> Joseph Smith was born in Vermont two days before Christmas in 1805. <laughs> Coincidence? I think not. No, no. No. So he was of Irish descent, uh, to the best of our knowledge, and his family was not exactly wealthy. Uh, Joseph's uh, old dad, uh, also named Joseph, was kind of a loser. Uh, and by loser, I mean he lost out on a deal in some business deals. I don't know. Something about ginseng. I don't care. Oh, um, the family's poor. That's the point. Right. And at a certain point, they had to literally sell the farm. Ah, ah classic. But even though the family was poor, it seems like they had enough to live on at least. Nice. Uh, which is great! Um, until you get to the winter of 1812, when Joseph Smith was seven and had the... Um, well, the typhoid fever. Mm, a, bit and, of, uh, jo- a bit of the typhoid. A, a bit of the typhoid. <laughs> and Joseph Smith caught a bit of that typhoid oh, fever. <laughs> uh, and something weird happened to his shin bone. Uh, it what? got infected. <laughs> yeah. Which meant that he was going to lose his leg. Oh, God. Um, but fortunately for little Joseph, though, uh, there was a really good doctor nearby who said the best way to deal with it was just to remove the infected part of the bone. Instead of the whole leg. <laughs> Seems apt. <laughs> so, like, surgery. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, and, and, like, to me, this, this almost sounds a little worse. Uh, uh, because true. back then, it's like, anesthesia is not exactly a thing. Uh, so, like, <laughs> would you rather have someone chop off your leg or dig around in your shin bone to cut out infection? Neither sound like a bathtub. Yeah. A hot bath. Yeah. yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a bathtub. <laughs> Neither sounds very pleasant. No. No. Um, so whatever the case, they don't chop off his leg. They Good. just go through with a little surgery. All right. Uh, so little Joseph Smith got to keep his leg. Good. But he also got to keep a limp as uh, a bonus. All right. Um, but things were still going poorly for the Smiths. <laughs> um Poorly. I got it. <laughs> they had I got three. It. Se- yeah, yeah. They had three seasons of crop failure. Oh shit! Uh, and were reduced to selling cakes and beer and painting tablecloths for people just Whoa. to make ends meet. Whoa. Yeah. Breaking out the old Which tablecloths. I, yeah, I didn't. I guess I never like thought of it like that. People would paint their tablecloths. Makes sense though. Yeah. But then I was reading about like people used to paint their fucking carpets too. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Nice. I, I was reading about that. Yeah, people used to paint their carpets. Are you sure that's run. not just a euphemism? <laughs> you have a filthy mind, sir. I do. I really do. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, just <laughs> is painting your tablecloth a euphemism? I really don't know. Is that like painting your chest hair? I'm not sure. I don't know. Either way, I've done it. So. <laughs> Well, okay, so they're painting these tablecloths and selling beer and cakes and things. Sure, sure. Um, and then they move to, I think, I'm going to fuck this up. Is it Palmyra or Palmyra? Uh, I st- Let's look it up. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was, uh, yeah, this this town. I, I know this town because it's in Rome Total War. <laughs> it's okay, in here we go, here Syria. We go. <laughs> How to pronounce Palm Palmyra. Here we go. Just pronounce it. 
Palmyra. Palmyra. Yeah. Palmyra. Yeah. Uh, it's it's probably gonna be like that Louisville thing mm. where we're gonna say it right. You know, Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> and then some and asshole someone... redneck will be like, well. It's and then they vomit up an eel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they moved to Palmyra, New York, sure, and uh, set up a contract for a new farm, which was a 100-acre lot just outside of town. So they didn't really move into the town. Sure, right? they yeah. were like, "We're gonna give this one more shot." Mm. Like we've had three years of failure, and you know our boy has been. His shin has been modified. You know he's basically a cybernetics warrior now. Yep, so. definitely. Um, so being the cybernetic warriors that they are, they build a log cabin to live in while they made plans to build a larger actual house. All right. Um, which is great. Like, moving up, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm saying this is great because I did no research into his dad. Almost no research. And I, I'm wondering if, like, the people who really know Mormon history, like Bryce, are going to be like, well, his dad was actually a son of a bitch, too. I can't believe you missed that. But, mm. like, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't look into it, so. Yeah. Um, anyway, so... They start making plans to build a bigger house, move up in the world or whatever, um, and then they start running into another share of troubles, oh, too. All right. Joseph lost a brother, Alvin, uh, to sickness, and oh. Joseph Smith Sr. was becoming more and more distant as a father. Mm, okay. Um, so anyway, in 1825, Joseph Smith and his family failed to pay their mortgage, and, uh, you know, they were going to get kicked off the lot. Yeah. Uh, and all seemed lost until a Quaker man named Lemuel Durfee, uh, <laughs> Lemuel Durfee, bought the farm and allowed them to rent on the land. Hmm. So the plan changed a little bit. Sure. They focused less on building this new house, and they ended up renting out the land and staying in their log cabin. Mm-hmm. You got to downsize uh, at times. So. so yeah. But what was little Joseph Smith up to at this point, James? Ah, uh, railroad construction. Uh, no. Mm. He was doing what all kids from this era do. Die? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, 95% died. The other 5% worked on the family farm and went to school. Oh. But Joseph Smith is special because he didn't go to school very much. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, He was known for being a, uh, a good storyteller. But was also known for being a humorless fuck. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Never really laughed at anything. Um, I hate those he, people. <laughs> yeah. I don't hate many yeah. people, but I hate those people. Yeah, I'm not a... Wait, really? You hate people who don't laugh at things? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if I... If there was <laughs> one group to for go. hate speech, bro. <laughs> we're going to get flagged for hate speech. We're not going to be... People aren't going to be able to listen to us in the UK. No, sir. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, darn. We're going to lose our UK audience. Oh, oh no. darn. I love those UK the, people. We don't have any. Yeah, we do. We do? Maybe. Shit. We probably do. Maybe at least a couple. Well, if you if we do, you don't want to alienate them by saying we no, don't sorry, need UK. them. Sorry, UK. Sorry, UK. Please don't flag us. <laughs> Hey, UK, you're okay. That's right. UK, bro. UK. All right. So anyway, <clears throat> he, he also had this attitude, Joseph Smith did, of not really giving a fuck. Sure. Um, right? So that might be from being poor. It might be from losing a brother. It might yeah. just be from being an asshole. Right. We really don't know. Yeah. Um, there are varying accounts about this, mm-hmm. uh, but they're a hallmark for sure. He really liked debating philosophy and politics. Oh. Uh, <laughs> does that remind you of anyone? <laughs> No. 
No. <laughs> okay. um, not at that and, age. <laughs> yeah, not at that age, I guess. Uh, but he was also doing this at the local debate club. Oh, and, shit. And uh, th- this, this got him ready for the future. Yeah, yeah, I see. Uh, and what is it, exactly does that mean, getting ready for the future by debating politics and philosophy at the debate club? Well, I don't know exactly, but I think it probably means something. Mm. Uh, it means he's taking these things seriously. Yeah, yeah. It means he's thinking about politics and philosophy and probably religion from a very young age. Hmm. Hmm. Which is an interesting way to prime yourself for your adult life. It is, yeah. But good. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so there's this whole thing going on in America at this time called the Second Great Awakening. Oh, Which oh, is no. convenient. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, no. Basically, the whole country is becoming embroiled in a fresh wave of religious fervor. Mm. And it took many forms. Uh, there were the doomsdayers and the born-again Christians just popping up all over the place. Mm. Many new denominations were formed during this period, uh, which was, it kind of became like a, almost like a meme. Like, huh. hey, I got different thoughts about my church. Better start a new one. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that is a meme. Uh, uh, real quick, what awa- what great, great awakening are we on now? <laughs> uh, today? Uh, yeah, today. Because I, I feel oh. like we're going through one right now. Wait, why? Uh, okay, well, y- you saying doomsdayers and evangelicals or something along those lines kind of made me think, growing up in the church, if you were a real Protestant Christian, you had to be one of those two people. You could be one of those crazy conspiracy theorists who was always like, the Illuminati and 666 are gonna ruin America, so I'm gonna live in this farm off the chart. Uh, but I'm still a good Christian. Or you could be like the evangelicals who go to school for Christian ministries and then they... You know, they can play the drums, and they have no personality, but they, uh... Good, good. Congratulations. Thank you. You are a funny... You are a funny man. (laughs) (laughs) How does it feel, funny man? It feels the same. Just empty Just once. (laughs) Just once I would like to get to say that to somebody in real life. (laughs) How does it feel, funny man? (laughs) Not laughing now, are you? (laughs) And just totally out of context, like... After ordering from, like, Burger King, just like, all right, thanks, have a nice day. And then you just yell to the cashier. (laughs) How does it feel, funny man? We're talking about the uh, second Great Awakening, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Um, So, like, lots of people, like, could easily grow from obscurity to prominence by, like, starting a church, baby. I think differently. And, you know, people, you you know, say you're at this little tiny Methodist church or something. Mm Mm-hmm. And somebody goes, I think this. And somebody else goes, I think that. Well, people are going to fall into two different camps, typically. Hmm. And depending on who the more uh, charismatic type is, one of them's probably going to get the uh, the lion's share of the congregants. Sure, yeah. So the new denomination splits apart from the old one, and it's filled with religious fervor, and people are enthusiastic, and it's like a startup, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So very good chance to fail. Yeah. Um, very, very good chance to... Um, to wither away into obscurity. So how does which, charisma play into into this? Well, <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Uh, and there was some pushback against this movement. Mm. Um, a lot of people were not swallowed up by it. Good. Like, or some bad, of Joseph Smith's. Fa- yeah, some of Joseph Smith's family members uh, actually didn't give two shits about this. Sure. So, uh, but I mean, whatever the case, the the whole Great Awakening thing is always a bit complicated. Like that's the whole point of it, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really got people thinking by like on the whole about eternal matters again. Sure, yeah. Right. So like ne- suddenly everybody's talking about religion and Christianity. You know, people have been as- the reason they call it the great awakening is that like people feel like they've been asleep in their faith. Okay, right. 
And so, so when they start freaking out and being like, oh my god, like, I should have been taking this super seriously the whole time, like, you're going to have a lot of religious zealotry, uh, a lot of excitement and that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's going to be almost everybody. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's sort of, I mean, I don't mean to keep bringing this up, but it is sort of like when somebody identifies themselves as woke. Uh-huh. Sort of like Bojack Horseman did on the episode I was watching last night. Hey, did he finish uh, season five? I'm great. not done with it yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Bojack the Feminist was the episode I was watching. Nice. And at one point he goes, I'm so woke right now. Well, <laughs> you kind of you kind of have to think about the Great Awakening as being a little bit like that. Okay. People just suddenly became awake to what was going on around them. Maybe, um, well, I won't say hypersensitive, but actually sensitive. And maybe Does just to uh, toot their own horn. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like Bojack Horseman. I mean, I toot um, my own horn every night, but I don't post on Twitter about well, it. Well, I mean, okay, if you read accounts about the Great Awakenings, yeah, and even even this story that we're getting into now, it's not like people are like, oh, hey, um, this guy made a really great theological point. Mm-hmm. Um, they're racked with shame and guilt, and they display it publicly. Okay, right? yeah, they go, they're falling down in in the pews at the churches. They're screaming out because they feel like they've been horrible and like they didn't know it until now. Mm. Um, and you know, they're they're going around talking about how they're reformed and they figured it out, and they're you know they're really sorry and all that shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they're they're going to church all the time, and you know they're they're. It makes them yeah. easy victims. Yeah, that, that, uh, yes. Uh, that is I'm true. not trying to, I wasn't even trying to get there, but seriously, when you're like, when you're filled with emotion about how wrong you've been and you're, you're suddenly awake, like in the Great Awakening, yeah. you're an easy target. Yeah, it sounds like the Pentecostal church I went to for a while. You uh, went to a Pentecostal church? I tried everything, bro. Okay. Yeah, well. Anyway, so <clears throat> this is the Great Awakening is not really so different from other social movements, mm-hmm. like big ones like that. Yeah. Um, but the point is, everyone's talking about it. There's debates going on everywhere. People are experiencing visions, hmm. having dreams, all kinds of stuff like that. It was a weird time. <laughs> it is weird. Um, so Joseph Smith's parents were among these people actually having visions from beyond. Oh, okay. Yeah. His mom, Lucy, had a vision about Joseph Smith Sr. going to church. Which was significant, because you see, Joseph Smith Sr. refused to join any particular church because none of them had it quite right. Sure. Yeah. Which is, I get that, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So Lucy took this vision to mean, though, that Joseph Smith Sr. would one day find the right church and join. Mm. Because in the midst of this great awakening and all these new churches popping up, somebody's gotta be right. (laughs) Right. Hopefully. (laughs) So there's that. Uh, another thing that was going on at the time in America, uh, at that time in America, was uh, the practice of magic and divination. Yeah, it hasn't stopped either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, has it? Hasn't? It's called the Electoral College. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, the uh, the Smith family was known for using divining rods and writing something like magic spells, oh, like okay. they're writing spells out. And I don't know. I mean, again, I'm just sort of glazing over all of this because we got to get through. <laughs> right. Um, but the the major, the core context of this is that magic and divine visions and huge cultural social changes and that sort of thing. Hmm. Um, this is a, this is a almost chaotic time. Yeah. No, I, I got that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm just setting this up so that we understand sort of inherently what was really going on hmm. because it's easy to get caught up on the details. Yeah. Um, but by and large, what context. we're talking about, yeah, yeah, by and large, what we're talking about is like 
this is almost like it's a magical time in America is what I'm saying. <laughs> yep. Just a magical time in America. Uh-huh. Like the 2016 election. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Too easy. Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah, it was. All right. That was, I'm just... All right, so they're talking about magic. Mm-hmm. Everyone's talking about magic mm-hmm. and, like, magic spells and shit like that. And Joseph Smith's... Almost in the entirety of Joseph Smith's family was deeply superstitious. Mm. They were constantly on the lookout for signs that would lead them to find treasures beyond their wildest dreams. <laughs> So, like, they're looking for the Virgin Mary in their oatmeal or something? Or? Yeah, basically okay. that, yeah. Well, fair I mean, we're, talk- we're talking Jesus on the cranberry toast kind uh, yeah. of shit, you know? Yes. Um, that sort of shit. Um, so, you can imagine what this did to Joseph Smith, mm-hmm. right? Just a young guy. Yeah, he's taking this all in. Yeah, he's just absorbing all of this. Mm-hmm. And he de- he developed a passing interest in Methodism, um, but he was also convinced that going to church was a waste of time. Hmm. He thought he could get more out of reading the old Bible than going to Sunday meeting, is what I'm saying. All right, yeah, fair enough. Um, he was probably also sort of feeling like his dad a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, he was coy about picking a church, probably largely because his dad was coy about picking a church. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of interesting because it sort of it sort of shows there's a skeptical side. Sure. Or maybe a cynical side. Right. To Joseph Smith here, probably you know, sort of put in by his dad a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then Joseph Smith just gets this vision. Ooh. Yeah, when he's 15. Hmm. And this is significant. Um, And, you know, this is known as the Grove Experience. Oh, oh shit. Okay. Yeah, and it occurred in a forest in Manchester, New York. Hmm. Uh, And this is no small deal, because there are a ton of written accounts about this whole thing. And all of them are different. Oh, God. Okay. (laughs) So I'm going to do what I can to distill (laughs) this fucking thing. All right. uh, So basically, here's what happened. Uh All right. Joseph Smith went out into the woods somewhere and started praying. Good so far. And then his tongue started to swell up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So he couldn't talk. He couldn't talk. And he saw a bright pillar of light, and then he just fucking saw God. (laughs) (laughs) And Jesus. Okay. (laughs) And God told him uh, that his sins were forgiven and also told him to listen to Jesus who then said some things. Oh, oh. There may have been angels. It's really unclear exactly what happened to Joseph Smith in these woods. Yeah, okay. Um, But one of the things that almost definitely, definitely did happen, okay, Mm, is that Joseph Smith asked God what church he should join. And God said, all the churches are corrupted uh, and wrong, and that the right one doesn't exist yet. (laughs) Okay. Which is kind of how all Protestant denominations <laughs> pop up, to be fair. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, jeez. And this is just the beginning. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, in 1823, Joseph Smith claims that while praying, he was visited by an angel named Moroni. Yummy. Um, yeah, I, Moroni just sounds like... It just sounds like pepperoni. a noodle, I know. Yeah. <laughs> He basically is a noodle, and we'll see why. Oh, all right. (laughs) We'll get to that later. Oh, no. (laughs) I know where this is going. (laughs) This is how Joseph Smith describes Moroni in the printed version of Book of Mormon. All right. Uh, Quote. (laughs) All right. He had a loose robe of most exquisite whiteness. It was a whiteness beyond anything earthly I had ever seen nor do I believe that any earthly thing could be made to appear so exceedingly white and brilliant. (laughs) His hands were naked, 
and his arms also, a little above the wrist. So also were his feet naked, as were his legs, a little above the ankles. His head and neck were also bare. I could discover that he had no other clothing on but this robe, and as it was open, I could see into his bosom. Alright. <laughs> He's a beautiful, oh, beautiful man. I'm a little flustered. Yeah, and this beautiful man told Joseph Smith of secret treasures unknown. Which, you know, is just perfect for a kid from a family of a super of superstitious treasure seekers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Moroni reveals that this amazing treasure is a book made of golden plates, oh. a breastplate, and a pair of seer stones. Oh. What are seer stones, you ask? I have no idea. Uh, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're just... Generally speaking, like, lamer, smaller crystal balls. Oh, that's... Yeah, right. I've heard that before. You look in them and you see all kinds of invisible things. <laughs> yeah, invisible things like buried treasure, divine visions from above, and James's sense of dignity. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it's kind of like uh, detective mode in Batman Arkham Asylum. Oh, okay. Yeah, you just flip that shit on and suddenly you can see where all the air vents and... <laughs> That's the sound yep, that makes you turn it on. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, seer stones were not something that Joseph Smith was unfamiliar with mm. either. Oh, all right. Uh, and he had, because he had some seer stones. Oh. Um, and this goes way back, baby. Mm. And this, some, so for some time uh, around 1819 on, Joseph Smith had become a wizard. What? <laughs> How? How? Uh. He bought a rock. <laughs> There's this guy named Jack Belcher who had this seer stone. And you know what? It's time for actual primary sources. Oh, and I'm not even being lazy. Here are some first-hand accounts of Joseph Smith's wizardry <laughs> uh, brought to us by Emily C. Blackman of Susquehanna, Susquehanna, I don't know, County, Pennsylvania, in her stunning 728-page work, Called The History of Susquehanna County, Pennsylvania. That sounds thrilling. Yeah. Um, and believe me, I had to really dig. Right. Um, oh, shit. Oh, shit. No. no. Oh, we got time. it. All right. We, we got it. We oh, got it. shit. Right. I, thought the, uh, I thought the file was no longer being hosted. Mm. But. Mm. All right. So here's the deal. I got to go to page 577 of this shit. So 577. All right. Again, 728 uh, wow. pages long. Wow. So this is in the appendix of the book. And this is under, uh, let's see, I wrote a J.B. Buck and Isaac Hale. This is under a headline of Joe Smith, the Mormon prophet. Mm. And the quote is uh, at the top. A madman or a fool hath ever set the world agog. All right. <laughs> Wait, is that it? <laughs> Yeah. So here, no, that's not the whole thing. Oh, all right. Uh, here, here, here's, here's, here's the document okay. itself. All right. Uh, it is a fact of which we are not particularly proud that Susquehanna County harbored such a madman as Joe Smith at the period when he was engaged in the compilation, or rather, the translation of the Book of Mormon, which we will get to in a bit. Oh boy. But to the fact itself, there are living witnesses, with some of whom, with, uh, with whom with some of whom Jesus, the writer, has conversed. All right. And one of these people is Mr. J.B. Buck. Huh. All right. And this is Mr. J.B. Buck's account of Joseph Smith. Mm -hmm. All right. 
Joe Smith was here lumbering soon after my marriage, which was in 1818, some years before he took to peeping, <laughs> which is uh, oh, just looking through seer stones, stones, being a wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so before the diggings. What? What? What did you say? I'll just say I'm looking into seer stones when I'm accused of peeping from now on. Uh, oh, yeah, that's... What that's, did you think I said? That was so violent. I, I don't even want to... Oh, okay. I don't even know. All right. All right, so... Uh, and he's talking about, like, some mining that he was involved in. Mm-hmm. This shit. We'll get to it, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so the stone... Let's see. Joseph Smith got the stone, which he used afterward... Uh, from Jack Belcher of Gibson, who obtained it while in Salina, hmm. Salina, New York, engaged in drawing salt. Belcher bought it because it was said to be a seeing stone. Mm-hmm. So Belcher believed it first. Um, and J.B. Buck says, I have often seen it. It was a green stone with brown irregular spots on it. Hmm. Uh, it was a little longer than a goose's egg and about the same thickness. When he brought it home and covered it with a hat, Belcher's little boy was one of the first to look into the hat, and as he did... So he said he saw a candle. Hmm. Uh, the second time he looked into it, he exclaimed, I've found my hatchet! It had been too e- lost for two years. Oh. And he immediately ran to the spot shown to him by the stone, and it was there! Shit. Yeah. The boy was the boyne, the boy was soon beset by neighbors far and near to reveal to them hidden messages. And he succeeded marvelously. Even the wanderings of a lost child were traced by him. The distracted parents coming to him three times for directions, and in each case finding signs that the child had been in the places he designated. Wow. But at last it was found starved to death, so, you know. Oh, God, all right. (laughs) Yeah, which is kind of fucked up. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So Joe Smith uh, conceived this idea of making a fortune through a similar process of seeing. Mm. Uh, So he bought the stone from Belcher, and then began his own operations in directing where hidden treasures could be found. Mm-hmm. His first diggings were near Captain Buck's sawmill at Red Rock. Uh, but because his followers broke the rule of silence, uh, the enchantments removed the deposits. Ah. You know what that means. Mm-hmm. So basically, they started digging. They didn't find anything. Right. And Joe Smith said, oh, you told other people, you fuckers. It's gone now. Uh, uh-huh. That's, that's, really, that's really it. Yeah. Um, is... And then there's, then there's the account of... Uh, Isaac Hale, and we'll get to this guy later on. Uh, I don't know if we want to read this. Um, you know what? We're not. All right. We're not. We're not going to read that because um, we just one we're running out of time, and two I want to get a little further. I um, want to take a coffee break, if that's okay with you. Well, okay, that sounds good. Or can you make me some coffee? Yeah, I'll send it down there. All right, great. Yeah, yeah, taking a coffee break. Yeah. All right. All right. I wish I were a space marine. (laughs) All right, I'm ready. (laughs) I wish you were too. All right, 5607, because then I would never have to see you again. No, I'm actually... Oh, hey, by the way, I'm probably coming north soon. Yes! When are you coming up? Yeah. It's going to be probably probably sometime mid-October. Oh, badass. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it probably will be for an entire week. Oh, sweat, sick! Okay, wow. Well, why? So we can record in person. Yes, we can, and we can yeah. do that. Uh, something with Mall Cop too. Oh yeah. Yep. We should totally oh, do it. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. All right. Um. All right. So <clears throat> we'll just continue then. Yeah. Yeah. So what can we glean from these primary accounts besides the facts? All right. Mm-hmm. 
well, not everyone thought that Joseph Smith was being entirely honest about this whole Book of Mormon. Yeah, I got that. Yeah, the golden plates and shit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seems, according to the historian Emily C. Blackman, that most people regarded Joseph Smith as a fraudster. Hmm. At least most of those who knew him. And then we have some people who were just far too trusting. Um, And of course, remember, the cultural context right now. Yeah. Everybody's saying miraculous shit. Mm -hmm. And some people don't have the time to, like, separate bullshit Mm -hmm. um, from the popular movement of the day, right? Yeah. So they've, if they hook themselves onto this guy and start believing him, they they're probably not going to be able to figure out why nobody's like along for the ride with them. Yeah. Um, and it also it also makes complete sense, um, really, that he wouldn't be outed as a fraudster for a while anyway, hmm. um, because again, everybody was saying shit like well, this. Well, and he's just in the woods of Pennsylvania, right? Or That's New right. York or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's no intellectual authority out there, I, I'd assume. There's, Not at all. Yeah, it's just a bunch so, of farmers. Yeah, and again, they're, you know, these common folks, so to speak, are just seeing these big popular movements happening. Yeah. And they're like, all right, I guess we're this is the thing we're doing now, mm-hmm. and they're like, let's just keep farming and go along with it. But you know, if they're calling bullshit, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so here's the deal. Uh, this is just the tip of the iceberg, though. Mm-hmm. Um, the history of Mormonism, particularly surrounding Joseph Smith and his closest allies, is actually super complex. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and we here at we talk about dead people are not ashamed to admit that we are hack frauds. True. Our distillation of history into tiny chunks of data you can laugh at is in no way the whole story. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. You should think of stories like this as initiations, mm. not the full picture. Mm. I like um, that. We, yeah, we leave out so much shit, there should be a law against it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Right, definitely. <laughs> That's why I'm straight up recommending, and probably James too, mm-hmm. officially recommending that you, if you have any interest at all into getting into the details about this story, you should go check out our friend Bryce Blankenickel's podcast, Naked Mormonism. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we have spoken with Bryce a number of times about Mormon history, and the guy just knows his shit so well, it's hard to believe. He does. Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, he really, really gets into it. Yeah, and if he um, saw, if he said that he found tablets in the woods, I would be the first burrito to jump on that bandwagon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I would be the second pancake to follow. Excellent. Yes. Um, so, yeah, couldn't recommend it more if you want to know more about naked or not naked mormonism well we'll expect the uh the check in the mail bryce yeah bryce will will (laughs) (laughs) three cents (laughs) yes okay so with that disclaimer out of the way that we're total frauds Mm. and you should never believe a thing we say Mm -hmm. let's continue with joseph smith's early life excellent okay so let's sum up what we've learned so far all right Mm -hmm. Uh, according to local sources, Joseph Smith was a superstitious hillbilly with some magic rocks and an empty stomach. <laughs> yep. um, I say empty stomach because this was a hungry, hungry boy. Oh. Uh, he was always on the hunt for a gig that might bring him the wealth he had been starved of his entire life. Mm. And there are numerous stories about him using his seer stones to find treasures, mostly for other people, for a decent fee. Of course, he was a fraud, but he was brought into court. And he was actually brought into court in 1926 for pretending to be divinely gifted. Oh, God. And, okay, wow. Yeah. But nothing really came from that, as far as I can tell. I mean, there's probably something that came from it, but on the whole, it doesn't seem to have like been even a speed bump for him. Right. Uh, so here's the deal: Joseph Smith got involved with some da- dude, some dade, some dude named Josiah Stowell, mm. um, 
who is looking to dig up a silver mine okay, or a gold mine or a giant vault. We actually don't know because all the different reports say that this project might have been any of those variants of massive holes filled with money. Oh, all right. Um, so according to this dude named Josiah Stoll, uh, Joseph Smith told him that he could use his seer stones to find said mine or vault or, you know, subterranean treasure trove. Mm-hmm. Dwarven stash. Right, yeah. Because of um, Right. So Joseph Smith didn't actually manage to divinely see where the mine was. Um, but according to Joseph Smith, he also never claimed to be a seer at all. Hmm. He claimed he was just some dumb fuck with a pickaxe digging for silver under the orders of Josiah Stowell. And that guy we talked about briefly and did not cover too much, uh, Isaac Hale. All right. So they're saying, Joseph Smith told us he was going to find a vault, and Joseph Smith's like, I never said any such thing. Uh. I was under the employment as a miner, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's it. Um, So yeah, no underground Disneyland. That's what we're getting at, okay? Shit. (laughs) I was so down. But while working for these guys, Joseph Smith meets Isaac Hale's daughter. Oh. Emma. Emma. And let's throw a shout out to Emma. She follows us on Twitter, and we love her dearly, and she loves us dearly. She is the one of the only people who likes almost everything we put up. She is a lovely woman. <laughs> she is absolutely lovely. Mm-hmm. Even though she might be a bit old. I, <laughs> like, I'd still marry old. her and start my own cult. What, what can I say? Yeah. I mean, come, yeah. I mean, yeah. come on. Um, so Joseph Smith meets her, and he appears to be a bit smitten. Huh. Um, even after the hunt for the silver mine or, you know, underground water park was abandoned, yeah. uh, Joseph Smith would return to the Hale home just to visit Emma. Oh. And they hit it off, I guess, because Joseph Smith proposed that the two be married. Oh, shit, wow. And Isaac Hale, a guy who had seen Joseph Smith fail to see Underground Disneyland, tells Joseph Smith to fuck off, uh, which right. is, yeah, makes sense. Ain't no frauds are going to marry his daughter. Of course. Um, but using subversive tactics and dangerous hijinks... <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is a theme. Uh-huh. Joseph Smith and Emma Hale eloped together in 1827 to go live with Joseph Smith's parents. Oh, that's oh out it, of the frying uh, yeah. pan into the fire. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, by the way, you remember that guy named An- that uh, that angel guy named Maroni? Yeah, Maroni? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the uh-huh. limp noodle. Yeah, the noodle. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, Joseph Smith hasn't forgotten about that whole uh, ordeal. All right. <laughs> In fact, all this time, he's apparently been making annual visits to the hill where Moroni claimed that a massive treasure was buried. Like a pilgrimage. This hill is, yeah, this hill is called uh, Kumora. Hmm. Uh, and it's a holy site uh, nowadays, I believe, wow. in Mormon religion. Probably. Almost definitely. Uh, according to Joseph Smith, the treasure is in a big stone box. Uh, which he finds on his first visit to the hill. Mm. But he's not allowed to open it. Okay. Not for four years. Sure. Uh, Not until the late September of 1827. Mm. So Joseph Smith drives Emma out to this hill in a carriage Mm -hmm. and just kind of pulls these divine treasures out of the ground. (laughs) That's the story anyway. All right. Now, here's the thing. You might be thinking, oh, Emma probably saw the plates and whatnot, so we have a witness, even though she might be lying. Sure. But Emma claims she never saw the plates. Ah. <laughs> Joseph Smith said he had been commanded by the angel Moroni to allow no one but himself to see these plates. Hmm. I'm not saying that's convenient. I'm saying he's super holy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's the holiest of bros. <laughs> uh, what the f- <laughs> What? <laughs> what happened? Did you... I laughed in the middle of my coffee... 
It sounds like someone shot you in the throat. Well, that like. happened too. Emma Smith did, however, claim to have touched the plates, uh-huh. <laughs> but only when they were covered in cloth. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, nonetheless, Joseph Smith began working on translating what became the Book of Mormon. Oh, shit. Here we are. Mm-hmm. And by translating, I mean stuffing his face into a white stovepipe hat, looking into the seer stones he dug up, and dictating for hours at a time. To Emma? To Emma. Oh, wow. And she dutifully wrote down everything he said he was seeing. Hmm. Which is pretty amazing, because if you go read the Book of Mormon, it's it's not like deeply imagistic stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's like, they did this, and then they did that. But, like, if he was seeing visions, you would think it would be, like, in images, hmm. and not, like... And you would record what you were seeing, yeah. you know? Like, I see... Ten people standing on a hill, or something like that, instead of, and then they did this, yeah, yeah. and then they did that. And if you ever read the Book of Mormon, or listen to uh, the other podcast, My Book of Mormon, um, which Bryce hosts now. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. What a boy. <laughs> He's growing up right before our eyes. I know. It's so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, uh, I'm not, but, I'm of course not really saying this. This is a joke. This is not serious at all, but... Kind of sounds like Muhammad and uh, the Quran and how he uh, what? dictated that to his wife and she wrote it down from visions he had in a cave with an angel. What? That happened? Yeah. <laughs> I never knew how that was, what the story was there. Yep. Well, it's uh, it's pretty similar. He uh, Gabriel visited Muhammad in a cave and gave him visions, but Muhammad couldn't write. So he had to remember everything that Gabriel said and then go back to Mecca uh, to his wife or his uncle. I can't remember. One of the two. And then that person wrote down the Quran. And, uh, I'm not I didn't know saying that. it's the same thing, but... Well, it just sounds similar, in the very least. Yeah, it sounds similar. Both are we correct. We got a revelation. Yeah, we got a revelation in isolation. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is... And then dictating pretty... it to someone else who writes it down. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's pretty fucking similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that... that well, that's no, why it reminded me of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe so in anyway. both religions, so <laughs> there we go. Well, I'll just put that out as a disclaimer. Thank you. I believe in all religions. Me too. I am very religious, not spiritual at all. Um, <laughs> all right, so I keep interrupting you with bullshit. No, it's fine. Uh, so, word is getting out, though, mm-hmm. that there's a golden book somewhere in Palmyra. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, and, you know, when you say you've got a, a book full of golden plates, or a bunch of golden plates or whatever... Yeah. Um, People are going to be kind of interested because yeah. gold, man. Well, it's the 1800s. You say gold, and you're going to have a million angry, drunk, bearded men trying to take over your land. Well, I've just said gold five or six times right there. Gold, They're gold, coming, gold. bro. They are coming. Uh, the uh, libertarians are looking in my window right now. <laughs> hey. Return to the gold standard. <laughs> so, so, Joseph Smith is not the only treasure hunter in the area. Mm-hmm. Right, so, uh, and remember the guys he was working with on Finding Underground Disneyland? Yes, I do, actually. Yeah, they want to get a hold of this book. Well, it seems right, because they're angry at him for not finding Underground Disneyland, right? So they want and little pay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and and he eloped with one of their daughters, that, too. That's so. true, too. <laughs> <laughs> so they start breaking into places and ransacking locations that they believe might have this book. Oh, wow. But none of them can find it. Oh, why? Because they're bad seekers. Yeah. They're not looking for religion hard enough. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, no, actually, Joseph Smith had left Palmyra and was living in Harmony, Pennsylvania. Hmm. Uh, and he was hanging out with this guy named Martin Harris, mm-hmm. who had heard about the golden plates through Joseph Smith's dad. Oh. Yeah. Right. So Joseph Smith and Emma, Emma Smith, uh, kept up with their transcribing, translation, or whatever. Yeah. And Martin Harris gets really interested in just what the hell is going on with these two. Sure. Um, someone claimed is claiming to have a golden book that is the Bible to the squeak wall, yeah. right? And that's very interesting, <laughs> right? Right. Um, yeah. But Harris, Harris, Harris is a skeptic. Oh shit! So he takes a bit of the transcript, both the apparent original text and the translation, mm-hmm. um, not just written down. Uh, and the uh, actual original text is written in this like hieroglyphics-looking language. Yeah. Um, of course. Which and he Martin Harris takes these to this guy, this professor named Charles Anton. Mm. Anton. I don't really know. It, there's a th sound in there, I'm sure. Um, and Charles immediately realizes that this is a fucking fraud. <laughs> All right. According to Anton, Anton, um, he pointed out to to Harris, like that he was being a complete fool. Huh. Um, someone was after his support and his money. Um, but according to Harris, Anton told him that not only were the original characters real, the translation was good. So we have conflicting accounts about this. Harris is like, hey, he hmm. said it was a real, it was a ri- original text, mm-hmm. and that the translation was correct. And, you know, uh, Anton is saying, like, I never said any such thing! Oh. So the bullshit grows, is what uh-huh. I'm saying. Sticky. Um yeah, and that means we have again conflicting accounts, which is sort of a hallmark of this whole history. Right, it's that it's that era which you so aptly explained. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but and it's it's super complicated, which is why you need to go listen to Naked Mormonism mm-hmm. anyway. So Harris is at this point, uh, at this point, helping out with the scribe work. Hmm. So it's not just Emma and Joseph working on this thing now. Okay. Um, and Harris starts getting a lot of pressure from his wife and locals to call bullshit on this whole thing mm. and get out of it while he still can. Sure. Because even she's not buying it. She's like, this is clearly stupid. <laughs> like, um, so Harris is like, all right, look, Joseph, my wife thinks you're a liar and I don't want to think you're a liar. Can I just can I just see the plates? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a little bit. And get this. Joseph Smith says, yeah. Oh, wow. D- just kidding. He says no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn it. Um, so Harris asks if he can just take the written down bits to show his wife. Uh-huh. Like the translations. Yeah. Um, because his wife, again, thinks he's a fool. Right. Uh, and Harris is deep within the realm of the sunk cost fallacy, right? Mm. He's putting up with this, and he's he's like, mm-hmm. he's given his word to Joseph, and he's got a relationship with this guy. Yeah. So he's, he doesn't want to look like a complete idiot, but he also doesn't want to believe that it's all a hoax. That's a tricky. Right? Yeah, that's tricky. Hmm. It's a tricky situation. Uh, I feel this dude. So Joseph Smith waits a while and then goes to Harris and claims he got permission from God to give Harris the transcription. Mm. Um, but he can, with the stipulation that he can only show it to five people. Oh. <laughs> so Harris takes this thing home, oh. shows his wife, the five people, and literally anyone else who wanted to see them. <laughs> And then it just vanishes. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we don't exactly know what happened, but the point is, all that work is gone, and it's the only copy. Oh, shit. In the meantime, Emma Smith has born Joseph Smith's first son, but the baby is malformed and dies within a day. Thank God. Uh, And Emma Smith herself comes very close to dying, Mm. so Joseph takes care of her for a couple of weeks. Well, that's good. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, he's busy with this, so he's not thinking, like, I wonder where Martin is with my book. Yeah, yeah. Um, But after a couple of weeks, he's like, 
where the hell is Martin with my book? (laughs) (laughs) So Joseph Smith finds Harris and learns that the manuscript has been lost, Hmm. uh, at which point it looks like he has what amounts to a nervous breakdown. Um, He claims that with the loss of transcription, the loss of the transcription, the plates themselves have also vanished. Makes sense. Yeah, um, because, you know... It doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you think backwards about this thing, it's like, oh, shit, I don't have the translation. Everyone's going to say, well, just translate them again. Like, But if he didn't have the translation and say uh, the old one popped up after he had started rewriting it, then the... The books would conflict, yeah. so he maybe, maybe they wouldn't. Well, unless he had a perfect memory, mm-hmm. right? So uh, the plates are gone, the transcription's gone. Uh, Joseph Smith's Joseph Smith's um, New York Times bestseller is uh, kaput. Gone. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. Uh, so then, uh, then he has another revelation from God. Good. Um, of course, his first he does. written revelation. Oh, what? <laughs> he writes down oh. about others. Yeah. Oh boy. And this is scary stuff because this this goes into modern day FLDS stuff, oh. fundamentalist church latter days. All right. Um, but we're not going to talk about that. I'm just saying it still goes on today. Okay. Uh, so Joseph Smith gets this revelation, which he writes down, in which God says that Harris Martin Harris is a terrible and evil human and that joseph himself is also kind of a jerk too and god will not forgive harris but god will forgive joseph smith huh all right yeah so joseph is excommunicating this guy basically Mm -hmm. um so this is a christianity is amazing it is the religion of librarians what the unforgivable sin is losing a book that's that's it. You lose salvation if you don't return the book. Oh God! Wow! You're a whole wow! Wow! We just cracked this thing wide open. <laughs> da Vinci Code can suck my ass. This is <laughs> I just figured it all out. <laughs> so, so Joseph Joseph will be forgiven, right? Uh-huh. But only if he's penitent. Uh huh. And guess what? He's penitent. So the angels bring the plates back. <laughs> of course. And then he meets this fucking nobody named Oliver Cowdery mm. and gets him to be his new scribe. Oh. And the two get to work redoing everything. Nice. And it's pretty convenient that he switched transcribers. Oh, why is that convenient? Because if he had Martin Harris do it again, Martin Harris would be like, hey, bro, this wasn't what we wrote down the first time. Oh. Yeah. I'm just poking holes in all this shit. <laughs> I'm not doing it on purpose either. I'm just thinking. Yeah. Well, no, it makes sense. Yeah, um, so if that was the case, if Joseph Smith was a fraud, which of course he's not, you know. um, No, it's because God didn't forgive Harris, so obviously you can't employ Harris. Right, right, because Harris didn't have the faith to just believe Joseph Smith. Yeah. Uh, So so Oliver Cowdery and Joseph Smith get to work on redoing everything, Hmm. and they work day and night for like four months. Hmm. And at a certain point, they realize they're uh, starting the one true church, so they baptize each other. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. We're not the only ones who have done that? No, we're not the only ones. Wow. Uh, now, Oliver Cowdery is just some fucking nobody. Yeah. Like I said before. <laughs> yep. Uh, he's one of, but he's no longer just some fucking nobody. Oh, shit. He's one of what are called the three witnesses, which include Martin Harris, Oliver Cowdery, and a guy named David Whitmer. Oh, shit. Um, and these were the three that Joseph Smith chose to show the golden plates. And they claimed, indeed, that they did see the golden plates mm-hmm. and signed the following statement. Ooh, oh, all right. All right. Um, be it known 
unto all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people, unto whom this work shall come, that we, through the grace of God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, have seen the plates which contain this record, which is a record of the people of Nephi, and also of the Lamanites and his brethren. Oh, his brethren, sorry. And also uh, of the people of Jared, who came from the tower <laughs> of which hath been spoken. The people of Jared? <laughs> Jared is just that fat guy on the couch who never leaves because he's playing Xbox all day. I want to join his tribe. Can I be a person of Jared? You can be a person of Jared. Sweet. Jared, I hereby call... The dog is drinking, by the way. You hear that? Yeah, I do. He drinks a lot. He's wonderful. I'm going to keep going while the dog drinks. <laughs> so, people of Jared, whatever. Uh, we also know... And this is the continued statement, right? Yes. And we also know that we ha that they have been translated by the gift and power of God, for his voice hath declared it unto us. Wherefore, we know of a surety that the work is true. And we also testify that we have seen... Seen is misspelled. It has three E's. Uh -huh. Thus, it is written. Uh, the engravings which are upon the plates. And they have also been shewn unto us by the power of God and not of man. And we declare uh, with words of soberness that an angel of God came down from heaven... And he brought and laid before our eyes that we were we beheld and saw the plates hmm. and the engravings thereon. This is the longest run-on sentence I've ever seen mm. in my fucking <laughs> life. Really is. Uh, that we beheld, let's see here, and we know that it is by the grace of God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, that we beheld and bear record that these things are true, and it is marvelous. And marvelous is misspelled, thus is it written, mm. thus it is written. Uh, in our eyes. There, nevertheless, the voice of the Lord commanded us that we should bear record of it. Hmm. Wherefore, to be obedient under the commandments of God, we bear testimony of these things, and we know that we are faithful in Christ. We shall rid our garments of the blood of all men and be found spotless before the judgment seat of Christ and shall dwell with him eternally in the heavens and the Father. And the honor be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, of uh, which is one God. Amen. <laughs> Great. I, I have no problems. Yeah, this. yeah. Now, th this statement is included in the beginning of the Book of Mormon, mm -hmm. along with other testimony for the veracity of Joseph Smith's claims calling the testimony of the eight witnesses. Wow. Which is interesting, because the Bible doesn't have anything like that. I mean, it, it has, like, one thing in it that says Scripture is good for teaching and all that sort well, of thing. Well, I was going to say, like, some of these sentences, um, some of these sentences are... I've noticed in the in the Bible, like, uh, we bear testimony of these things. I know there are similar sentences, like, in a lot of Paul's letters. Uh, mm. He says things, he says, like, these disclaimer sentences. But mm. I don't remember, yeah, like, these giant paragraphs of, yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it, it, when you read it, it feels like someone's hedging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because the story is, like, I mean, it's, hmm. Maybe Paul does hedge a little bit, but I, I really don't, I don't know, know. I read my Bible that much. No, um, but I was going to say, like, um, yeah, it just it still feels like a disclaimer. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Which is which is what it is. So for what that's worth. Yeah. It, um, it's just weird that their their book starts with a bunch of legal disclaimers and then a description of how Joseph saw Morani's noodle. <laughs> I mean, yes. I'm on board. Those are not bad things in my mind. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I am so in. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So there's a whole bunch of things like that mm -hmm. in the beginning of the Book of Mormon. And it's really interesting to read. Um, but here we go. <clears throat> At this point in time, uh, the angel Moroni comes back to the planet Earth and takes the plates away because now Joseph Smith is done using them. Great. Sounds good. Yeah. Don't need them Gotta anymore. Gotta use them elsewhere. 
Books written. Because if you released the book and people said, we want to see these plates, and you said, I don't... You know, you say, oh, I have them in my house, or I buried them in the hills, and you'll never find them, or something like that. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to have people going looking for them anyway. Right, so, right. Um, in order to bulletproof this book he's written, he has to have the plates gone entirely. Yeah. That's my point of view anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, in the late March of 18, or 1830, I wrote 1930, but it's 1830. <laughs> Uh, the Book of Mormon is published in Palmyra, paving the way for Joseph Smith to officially start his own church known as the Church of Christ, creative, <laughs> uh, which established several branches throughout the area. Great. Now, people remember this fraud, Joseph Smith, and his little games he played with him in the earlier days. Right. So when they hear he's published his own biblical DLC, they call <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Uh -huh. And they call bullshit violently. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, the Mormons immediately started getting all kinds of threats, and Joseph Smith is arrested as a disorderly person, and while he was released, he still had to get the fuck out of town because a mob was coming for him. Shit. Yeah, this happened really fast. Yeah, that's persecution right away. Uh-huh. Wow. So while on the run, Joseph Smith claims he received a vision from the Apostles of Christ, James, Peter, and John, which told him to basically promote Oliver Cowd Cowdery to a higher position in the priesthood, because they're starting to build up this new structure yeah, and everything. Yeah. Again, if you want details, naked Mormonism. You're not going to find him here. Yep. Uh, but anyway, so Cowdery's pretty all right with a promotion, hmm. uh, but he also claims that he's been receiving divine revolution, re revolutions, revelations, too. Sure. Um, so this is a problem, because that makes Joseph less of a special little snowflake, Ooh. because only he can receive divine revelations, damn it. Yeah. Um, so he has a revelation that basically says that only he can have revelations. Oh, Jesus. Uh, well, only he can have revelations that actually matter. Mm -hmm. Only his revelations could be used to structure the church and his doctrine, which is convenient if your main goal is to control people. <laughs> yes, this sounds like when there were three Catholic popes and they were all excommunicating each other <laughs> and being yeah. like, we're the only pope. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's basically the same thing. Right. Uh, so Joseph gets this kind of gets rid of Cowdery also by sending him off with Peter Whitmer to preach uh, to the Native Americans nearby, and also to find the site where the church would build its new Jerusalem. Oh shit! All right. Yeah. <laughs> so Cowdery goes on this mission, runs into a dude named Sidney Rigdon, a nobody who we never talked about on this show. Uh huh. Um, we did talk we about. We did. Yeah, I remember that. Show. Yeah. Remember, and yeah. and and Bryce made some great points mm -hmm. about Sidney mm -hmm. Rigdon. Um, and Sidney Rigdon's just a guy running a little church. Sure. Right. Um, and Cowdery and uh, Peter Whitmer convert Sidney Rigdon and his entire church to Mormonism, where and effectively doubles the membership of the Mormon church oh, by doing that. Uh, in 1831, Joseph Smith receives a revelation that he and his wife ought to go, his wife Emma, ought to go to Ohio for some That's reason. It's a shitty revelation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very convenient revelation, though, oh. because Joseph Smith is still facing angry mobs and haters where he be. Mm. So they go. And there they live with this guy named Isaac Morley on a farm. Mm -hmm. Now, Joseph Smith was still deeply unpopular. And in 1832, it came to a massive shit show that I can't believe I didn't even know about. Oh, okay. um, probably partially because he was exclaiming that entirely cities were going to be blown up by Jesus because he's coming back, like, right now. <laughs> what? Yeah, he was saying that entire cities were going to be blown up by Jesus. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and it, so Can in the there middle be of the night, a video I'm, game of that where you play as Jesus and you just blast Cincinnati with your eyeballs? I, I cannot believe there's not a video I game. I know. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so like, it's coming for him, right? This bill is coming. We talk about bills that people rack up yes. with their bullshittery. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so the bill's coming. So in the middle of the night, uh, a mob busts down the front door oh, of, of this house at this farm. Uh-huh. And they actually drag Joseph out of his bed and into the cold. Oh, wow. Where they strangled him until he blacked out. Um, oh, and they beat him, they scratched him and kicked him, everything, oh. right? Uh-huh. Someone even attempted to poison him by shoving a vial of toxic shit into, into his throat. Jesus. And then they tarred and feathered him oh. and left him to die in the fields. Oh, God. Uh, and at a certain point, they also threatened to rape Emma Smith, which, you know, what the fuck? Jesus. Um, yeah, and Joseph Smith had actually adopted a kid at this mm-hmm. point who got pneumonia... Uh, because he got knocked around during the whole ordeal and ended up dying from exposure because of all this. Jesus. And that's where we're going to stop, though. Hmm. Uh, because we got to at some point. Yeah. And when we come back, we'll be talking about Joseph Smith's adult life. Wow, that got really, really dark. <laughs> I know. It blows up fast. Wow. Uh, and it just gets way crazier. Yeah. Um, and I can't say enough. Naked Mormonism, guys. Yep. Naked. It's a great Mormonism. podcast. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Um... Yeah, but I think I think that's gonna wrap it up for today. I think right? so. Yeah. So with this new structure, does that mean we stay in the history lab between weeks? Are we gonna sleep down oh, here? God, we're gonna have to share. But we're not in again. the history lab. Where are we? We're in the history lab too. Yes. Yeah. Which means what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, nothing. No, nothing. Nothing anything. matters. So there's a big two above the door. Nothing really matters at all to me. What? I was, me. I was singing two different songs. Yeah, oh. never mind. Okay. Yeah, doesn't matter. Well, uh, when we come back uh, next week, we'll be talking more about Joseph Smith. Yes? Yeah, we got a lot more to do with him. And then we haven't even touched uh, Cambyses. Cambyses, yeah, we'll get to him. We'll yeah, get to we'll him. get to him. But for now, shall we head to the surface? Let's head to the surface, man. Ignition sequence start. Six. So, James, mm-hmm. what are you going to do for the rest of the day? I'll probably finish writing this episode. <laughs> well, that's fine. we got plenty of time now well, because we gotta, we're going to be covering Joseph Smith yes. for a couple of weeks. And I will say, as a bit of a teaser, uh, I'm known for my teasing. Um, well, there's going to be a lot more shit with Joseph Smith, and it's going to get real. I don't know this because I know nothing about Joseph Smith, but that's what Aaron told me. Oh yeah. And for Cambyses, it's a, it's a pretty... Crazy story, and there's a mystery involved. A mystery of the eras. Truly, it's like a 2,500-year mystery. It's awesome. I've done a ton of research into it. I am so ready to talk about it, because, I don't know, we we haven't had enough mysteries on this show, you know? Like, historical mysteries. Yeah, really, though. Oh, no, it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah, I want to hear more about this. Excellent. I'm so in, baby. I'm so in. Excellent. Why do I keep calling you baby? I don't know, but it's, um... Too much space, Danny. It's dandy. making me feel a little weird. Conflicting um, emotions. Yeah. Well, just keep them to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I am married. You are. To Jesus. To Mormon no. Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Corporate Mormon Jesus, which Emma is a Twitter Smith. I follow. And to Emma Smith. Well, I'm not married to Emma Smith. All right. Might be. I don't really know. We'll have to ask her. <laughs> All right. I think it's time to bring the show to an end for today. Feel free to send all your hate tweets. We talk about uh, WTADP podcast. That's WTADP podcast. We will read all of them and not along. If you hate us, you're probably right. If you like us, though, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on patreon.com. That's patreon.com. So as we talk about dead people, if you can't give us any money, that's fine, too. Just give us a review. Like, rate, subscribe. Yeah, it actually helps. Didn't know that until I started making a show. And then it was like, 
oh yeah, that actually really matters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just thought people were being douchebags, but it actually really matters. Mm -hmm. If you can't go, if you can't give though, 50 bucks, 20 bucks, even as little as a dollar, as much as it costs, to buy a large bowl uh, helps tremendously. That's our cover art was created by the extremely gifted Ian Patterson of Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view more of his phenomenal work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. With all that being said, we'll let the sound of Moroni play you out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not ready for this. Hello. Joseph Smith. Do you hear me? Joseph. Yes? Joseph! Who is it? I am the angel Maroni! Macaroni! I say unto you, Joseph Smith, you will be blessed among men. <gasps> I'm special? Ha. You are more than special. What should I do with this new revelation that I can't show anybody else. Joseph Smith, you will be a god among men. Wow. I will... <laughs> <laughs> and that is actual audio recording of the event. That's, that's what I can't get around. That is... Oh, we're going to blow this lid Amazing. wide open. Yeah.